Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at theexchangechurchhouston.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at theexchangechurchhouston.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring more messages just like this one to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Peltz. In this sermon, Pastor Kevin teaches us why and how we are so easily distracted and what Jesus offers to help us regain our focus. We've been going through a a new sermon series, and it has been nothing short of amazing. I'm telling you, the the messages that have been coming out of the exchange here lately, Pastor Jared started us off with... uh, talking about when blank happens. And, and that, that does happen in our life. Blank. You fill in the blank. Whatever happens, sometimes the blank happens. And, and you know, we, we are shocked to our core where we're, you know, just in an in a, uh, area of our lives where we start to, to get sh- uh, shooken and we get to a place where um, hurt happens. And, and that we've talked about how to deal with hurt for the last several weeks. Uh, if you haven't been able to listen to any of those messages or you just want to go back and listen to them again, get on our webpage um, and, and check, those, check those messages out. Share them. Uh, in fact, if you would, this morning, check in on Facebook here at The Exchange. And um, I, I was talking to TJ this morning. He was just telling me, when we go live in the morning, so... Hello, everybody out there in internet land. Uh, when we go live, there's uh, close to 200 people that hits that when, when we're live in the morning. And then uh, throughout the week, it's close to 800, 800 hits. So uh, I, the messages that God is imparting to you guys, it's not just staying here. It's going out all over the world. And that's exciting to me. So uh, be sure to like those and, and share those. And uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to continue in this, uh, this message, this sermon series. And if you would stand to your feet this morning for the reading of the word. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, the word of God says this, Then he told them, speaking of Jesus, many things in parables, saying, so this is what Jesus, he sits down with them and he says, There was a farmer, and he went out to sow his seed. Everybody say seed. Come on, say the seed is good. It is. The farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. So I want you to think about this seed, and it's being scattered, and it says that some fell along the path, and the birds then came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And that, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Everybody say shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns. So Jesus continues and he says, Which grew up in these thorns and it choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil. That's that's something if you're taking notes today, you might highlight that in your Bible or on your Bible app. Good soil. Where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's pray this morning. Father, 
We thank you this morning for the power of your word. And Lord, I, I just want to tell you this morning that I love you. And I thank you for the ability and the opportunity to be able to, to preach and teach. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to have entrance into the hearts of your people. And I believe, Father, that you sent me here with a specific assignment. And I ask that you would use my mouth as your instrument to be able to do your will. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me this morning to unpackage and deliver the prophetic word of the Lord. And I I pray, Lord, that we would open up the eyes and the ears of our hearts right now. We pray, Lord, for nothing less than transformation. We pray that we would be transformed this morning by the renewing of our minds. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release something inside of us that would cause an eternal response. And we ask this this morning in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. You know, I was, I was thinking while we were worshiping, we were singing joy to the world. And, and there's joy right there. Joy to the world. I had somebody ask me this morning, why are you so happy? It's too early. Why are you so, why do you have, why do you have joy? And, and the reason that I'm happy, guys, I'm telling you, it's because I have joy. It's, it's not, my joy is not dependent on my circumstance. I have joy. And so if I have joy, if I have Christ inside of me, it's just going to come out, Right? And so I'm, I'm so thankful. I love this type of season that we're in. I love the joy of the Lord. I was even praying in our, in our worship this morning that the Lord would restore to us the joy of our salvation. Amen? That, that we would be people that, that would, would have joy. That we would be people that are focused. Everybody say focus. focus. You know, we've been talking about when, when blank happens. And, and this morning... I want to talk to you about distractions because we've been talking about how the enemy, he comes in and, and how he, he tries through hurt to be able to whisper into our lives and, and to get us um, off, off of uh, our, our, our plan that God has for our life and off of our destiny. And this morning, I want to talk to you about how the enemy doesn't just use hurt, but he uses distractions. And, and when I was um, just researching this and studying and praying about this, this word, this last week, the, the Lord started to remind me that something that is very overlooked about Jesus and his ministry on this earth and as he lived on this earth was his focus. Yeah. You know, when we talk about Jesus, we love to talk about his love and we love to talk about his mercy and his, his forgiveness. And, and those are things that, that we, we start to focus on. And, and I love that he is all of those things, but not many times do we talk about his focus, right. his determination. I mean, many times enemies came into his life to try to distract him, to try to stop him to go to the cross. They didn't want him to be able to do that. They didn't want him to come and be our Savior. But every time he, a distraction came his way, how many know that he stayed Focus, And it wasn't just his enemy, but we, we talked a couple weeks ago about how even his disciples would, not even thinking they were trying to distract him, but how many know there are bad distractions and there's good distractions too. There's good things in our lives. And his, his, one day his disciple comes up to him, and Peter, and he's like, no, you can't go to the cross. It can't end this way. You can't die. And, and we talked about how Jesus turns and looks at him and says, Satan, get behind me and and we, we realized that he wasn't speaking to Peter and calling Peter Satan. He was trying to get him to realize the voice that was speaking to him. He was rebuking the enemy, Satan. But at the same time, he was trying to teach his disciples that I'm not even going to be distracted by you. I'm not even going to be distracted by good things because I know that my father put me on this planet with a purpose 
on purpose, and I've got to achieve that destiny. I've got to manifest my Father's kingdom on this earth. And he was so focused in, in his life and, and in his ministry. And, and my, myself, I've been thinking about this. I want to emulate that. I want that to be something in my life. I know that God, just like he called Jesus Christ to do certain things on this earth, how many know we all have a destiny? We all have a plan. There are things that God preordained and placed us on this world to be able to do, and we'll be able to do them if we don't get distracted. Everybody say distracted. Many times we find ourselves the opposite of focus. And that is distracted. And so last week I was researching this word, distraction, distraction, distraction. Look at your neighbor and say distraction. distraction. And I found something kind of crazy. I found out that one of the meanings of this word distraction comes from a French term that was related to a cruel form of torture. I'll show you a, a picture this morning up on the, the Sky Bible. This was a medieval French torture that was set aside for the very worst offenders. And the offenders would have, you can see in the picture, their four limbs tied to four different horses. And you can figure what happened next. They called it distraction. Distraction. And today I want to talk to you about distraction. I, I want to talk to you about the things that are pulling us in all different ways. Pulling our attention. They're pulling our focus from the things that truly matter most. Let me ask you, are you easily distracted? I think if we were all being honest today that we are all easily distracted. We live in a world full of distractions. Guys, I mean, you take your phone out right here this morning and all of the information in the universe is in your hand. It's in your pocket. And, and, and I, can, I can think about it this last week. I thought about how many actions that I needed to do, but I didn't get to do because I got distracted. You know, distraction, it kills the best of us. It pulls us in different directions, kind of like that picture that you just saw. It sabotages our creativity. It leaves us with a sense of discontentment. However, focus, the opposite of distraction, helps us to truly become effective. You know, in John 10, 10, we've said this scripture over and over in this uh, sermon series that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And so he comes into our lives to steal and to kill and destroy. And we talked about how he does that. He does that through hurt, but he also does it through distractions. You know, distractions come in and, and, and they pull us in all different ways. Is it just me or have, have you ever, even this week, felt pulled in all types of different directions because of distractions? I mean, sometimes even while I'm preaching, guys, I will feel distracted. I look at people and they, they don't even look like they're interested in what I'm saying. And I start to think, are you kidding me? There's a distraction right there. Whose phone is going off? Why I'm talking about distractions? Lisa, is that your phone? I told her to do that. <laughs> because I wanted you to get an illustration of what it's like to live in a world and parent 
in a world full of distractions. Live life for Christ in a world full of distractions. Have a healthy marriage in a world full of distractions. And it's one thing to be distracted by bad things. I understand that. But sometimes I'm being pulled by good things. I've been pulled in all different spaces. I mean, you know, my kids, they want to spend time with dad, but I'm thinking I really need to study for my sermon. And then over here, there's a pile of bills that I need to get to so I can pay those bills. And then I'm getting a phone call over here while somebody's texting me over there. And I'm thinking, man, I wish, you know, that my wife had a do not disturb button that I could push on her forehead along with my kids. And this guy that's calling me and I'm looking at my kids. No, we can't watch Frozen again. I don't care if you want to build a snowman. I just need to sit down and pray for a second. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? This is our lives. We're distracted. I'm talking about distraction. I know you can relate today. And fortunately, Jesus had some things to say about distraction. In Matthew chapter 13, Verse 1, this is the passage that we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 today. But in verse 1, it says, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. And, and me, when I'm reading this, and it says that same day, I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to understand what happened after this, I need to understand what happened that same day. And so you go and all you have to do is read in Matthew chapter 12. And in verse 46, in the previous chapter, it says, this is what happened that same day. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside. So Jesus is ministering. He's speaking, okay? He, he's, he's kind of doing what I'm doing right now. And it says his mom and his brothers showed up and they wanted to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. They want to speak to you, Jesus. And he looked at them and he says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. And it's fascinating to me that Jesus would not be distracted by his enemies, but he wouldn't even be distracted by good things. Even his mom and his family, those people closest to him. Now, if you're a teenager here this morning, and I'll tell you, don't read too much into that, because if I was to tell you, hey, your mom wants to talk to you in the next room, and you were to say, who is my mother, and who is, don't be getting smart like that, okay? Your mother's the one that pays your bills. She's the one that wiped your butt when you were a baby, okay? You need to go, and you need to spend time with her. I'm not trying to get you uh, distracted from being a good child and being a good uh, uh, son or a daughter this morning. I'm just saying that in this context that Jesus is, is speaking this, I want to point out, before we get into the passage where Jesus is teaching us about a, a, um, a distracted heart, we see the master dealing with distractions. Jesus dealt with distractions. And so Jesus, he stayed focused and he didn't get distracted from his mission. And in chapter 13, we'll go back to chapter 13, verse 3, it says, he, he, he's teaching them, he says, there was a farmer and he went to sow seed and he was scattering the seed and, and he was, uh, some fell along the path and the birds came and they ate it up. So, so try to visualize this. And some, he scattered on rocky places, it didn't have much soil. That sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they withered because they had no root. Others fell along the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Verse 8, still others fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Verse 9, whoever has ears, let them hear. He says, whoever 
is listening. I want you to focus because I'm trying to teach you something. And so you skip to uh, verse 18 because he, he sits down, he has a little tutoring session with the people that he was just teaching, and he goes, let me, let me explain to you what I was saying. And so in verse 18, he says this, listen, then to what the parable of the sower means. I'm going to explain to you what it means. Anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, so we have an enemy, he comes and he snatches. Everybody say snatches. He snatches away what was sown into their heart. I want you to think about this. I think we've misunderstood this passage. He says, because he's explaining it, there is seed that's supposed to be sown where? In your heart. And am I, am I talking about that organ that beats that muscle in your body? No. Uh, he, he's talking about the invisible you, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He's, I'm trying to get this stuff to you. And he says this, the, this is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20 says, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to somebody who hears the word. So that's how it's sown. You hear the word and it once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, there it is again. They last only a short time. When the trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitful of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soul, Jesus says, refers to somebody who hears the word and understands it, and this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The way that I've heard this preached and taught my entire life, okay, I'm almost 40, almost 40. And so for almost 40 years, I've, this is how I've heard it taught, is that this represents different type of people. And so you need to be the last type of person. That's what Jesus was talking about, right? Some people are the people where the seed is sown, and they're those people that get snatched up. You know, they're going to hear the gospel. Have you ever heard it taught like this before? Don't be that person that just hears the gospel, and, and, and you never really amount to anything. You don't pay attention to it. Those people that don't sink in, and then they start talking about heaven and hell, eternal salvation, and they, that's how they start to, you know, apply it to your life. And and they say it springs up quickly, and they get excited. There's the, the second type that, that, that it does get into them, but, you know, they're just, it, they lift their hands in worship. They make a quick decision, but they never come back to church. Those people, they're, they're backsliders. They don't, they don't follow through. Have you ever heard it taught like this before? Don't, and the preacher will say, don't be that type of person. Don't be the first two type of people. And, and the third type of person is a person that's just too consumed with the world. They're too worldly. They're too focused on all this other stuff. And, and they just get choked out. And, 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 and don't be that type of person. And, and then we all read this and have taught, we always hope that we were the last one. You know, that's me, brother. I'm here today, and I'm faithful, and man, I'm that that's going to produce a, a hundredfold. That, and that's what we always hope and pray, right? Well, in context, though, I was wondering this last week, is this really a description of four different types of people? Or could it be that this describes four different conditions of our hearts at any given time? Could it be that I can wake up in the morning, be full of joy, 
and B, have that first type of heart that, that is that heart that is, that is open and, and, you know, the seed is, is going in and, and I'm not distracted. And, and all of a sudden, man, I'm reading my devotional and it's going to be a great day. But then something bad happens and all of a sudden my heart changes at noon and, and, and it starts to look like a different type. Could it be that? Could it not? That it's not a type of people, but it's the conditions of our heart. And, and I believe Jesus is describing the conditions of our heart. And today I want to talk to you about these four different distracted states of hearts. And so we're just going to go through them very quickly. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, everybody say snatched. That's what Jesus said. Everybody say snatched. Have you ever had something snatched out of your life because of distraction? Because your heart got distracted. I mean, I know I'm not, I feel like I'm still a young man, but I have even recently, you know, felt a problem from getting a thought or getting some type of revelation and then getting that revelation not just to me, but out through me. I mean, just the other day, I, I, the Lord started to speak to me, and I was, I was reading the story of Moses, and, and I was like, yes, Lord, this is an awesome revelation. So I go to type down the revelation that God had given me, trying to type in the word Moses, autocorrect, made it to milk, and then I started thinking, do we have milk at home? And I don't think we have milk at home. And then I was thinking, we need to go get some milk. And from the time that the seed got into my heart, from the time it was going to get into my phone, all of a sudden I'm distracted. And where's the seed? And now if there's no seed, where is the harvest? It doesn't ever come to fruition. What happened? That seed got snatched. Snatched by distraction. And Jesus says along the path as you're living your life, there's a function of the enemy where he wants to use not just bad stuff, but good stuff to come in to be a distraction and to snatch opportunities, to snatch fruit out of your life. A farmer went forth, Jesus said, and he sowed seed and the seed was scattered and some of that seed got snatched. Now I want you to understand something. All over your life, this last year, if you'll stop I can't, and think about it, I can't believe that it's already December. I can't believe it's the 12th month. It's the last month of 2017. I'm telling you, this year, opportunities were given. Responsibilities were assigned. Moments were created. There were moments that God gave you where you could have taken it and engaged with somebody and infected, affected them for the kingdom of God. There were times where you could have stepped out in faith and, and blessed somebody. There were times where you could have have helped somebody. There were times where you could have grown in some way, where you could have dug down deep and really made a difference in this world. But before you got to do it, you got distracted and that seed got snatched. I know that it happened to me. I know that somewhere, somehow along the way, I was distracted. And the crazy thing about the seed getting snatched is you never know what it could have turned into because the seed got snatched. And something that stood out to me in this passage that I, I find very modern in what Jesus was saying is he described these birds, these, these birds of the air. I'll show you a picture of, I think it was very modern and prophetic what Jesus was speaking, these birds of the air. These distractions that come and snatch the seed. You know, you're supposed to sit down with your family 
and, and have a meal and break bread and talk to your kids about who they're hanging out with and what's going on in their life and have family time. But many of us, instead of doing that, we have our birds of the air that we get on Twitter and we get on Facebook and we get on Instagram and we get on Snapchat. And, and instead of, of, of taking that moment that God has given us, that precious time that you should have with your, with your spouse or with your kids or, or, or whoever it is in your life. How many know that time gets snatched away because you don't know what's going on in Johnny's life, but you know what, you know, somebody that you went to high school with 20 years ago ate for lunch today. And it's a distraction. And am I drawing a line in the sand at the end of the service today and saying, if you're going to serve God in this church, brother, we got to throw out all of our devices and we got to get off the hell of vision. And we got to... Am I saying that? No. But I am saying we got to get back to true priorities. We got to put things in the right place. Right? I mean... Raise your hand if you have a Netflix account in here. Have you ever sat down with your spouse and said, hey, let's watch a movie on Netflix? And you sit there and you're scrolling through the movies and you keep scrolling and you look at this one. You're like, no, not that one. And maybe that one. We'll go back to that one. Maybe that's on the maybe list. And you keep going. And two hours later, you never even watched a movie. Every Friday. And what happened? Your date night just got snatched, right? You're distracted. You're, you're not in the place and putting the priority where God wants you to be. I'm talking about distraction. There's so many distractions. As your pastor, I see God sowing so much good seed into your life over and over. And if you don't hear what I'm saying today, you'll think there's something wrong with the seed, You'll think, for some reason, church doesn't work for me, or this Bible thing doesn't work for me. There's just something wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed comes in, but then, very quickly, the seed gets snatched. The second point, the first one was the seed gets snatched. The second one that he talks about is he said scorched. Take a notes, write that down, scorch. Matthew chapter 13, verse 5, in this story, talking about the seed, Jesus said, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, so it sprang up quickly because the soil was what? Shallow. Everybody say shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they were withered because they had no root. This is for all the places in our lives that we're still living at a shallow level. Nobody wants to be called shallow, right? I don't want to be called shallow. And, and listen, I don't think that I'm a shallow person, but let me make a point right here. You don't have to be a shallow person to still have areas in your life that you're living at a shallow level. See, one of the distractions that we have in our lives is just busyness. Busy, busy, busy. We're busy. You ask somebody, how are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm just so busy. And oftentimes, busyness equals barrenness. And so these, these, these uh, seeds that are planted into our lives, that God brings into our lives, what happens is they now become 
scorched. Why? Because you're living life at a shallow level. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you returned all of your text messages, but you really didn't say anything. LOL, smiley face. You didn't say anything to that person. You really are not having a relationship with your spouse. It's at a shallow level. You found out that, you know, like I said earlier, what that person that you went to school with 20 years ago had on their Danish today, but you don't have any idea who your kids are hanging out with. Listen, I'm preaching out of the overflow of my heart of what God's been speaking to me because I'm thinking, you know, here's the holiday times. My kids are about to be, we were just on Thanksgiving break and I could see that my son was wanting to spend some time with me. My daughters were wanting to spend some time with me, shoot the basketball, right? Dad, can we get outside? Can we play? And what was happening to me? I was too busy looking on Facebook and looking on Twitter and looking on all these things. I was being distracted or all of a sudden I started to realize maybe my relationship with my kids is at a shallow, I'm not a shallow person, but I'm living at that, that relationship with my kids at a shallow level. And God says, you got to go deep. You can't live life. You can't allow these seeds just to be shallow in your life. Because here's the thing. I've been realizing that so much of what we focus on is just shallow soil. It's problematic because here's the thing, guys. It has the appearance of life, but it isn't life. It has the appearance of productivity, but it's not productive. It has the appearance of life, but it has no root. Listen, root represents commitment. Everybody say commitment. Root represents what you're really anchored to, what you're tethered to, what you're tied to, what you're tenacious about. So many of us are unrooted, and that's why we're so easily distracted. It's because we have no guiding sense of principles and priorities in our lives to make decisions by. And this shows up in all kinds of ways in our life. Think about it. Some of you have been saying for five years now, at the beginning of the year, I'm really going to start watching what I eat, and I'm really going to get back in shape. I'm going to be more healthy, right? We say that. I'm really going to. I'm really going to do it this year. I need to get this under control. And year after year, nothing has changed. And the reason is because we're living life in that area at a shallow level. You haven't committed to what it's going to take to really get to the goal that God's placed in your life. He's planted that seed, but you're living that at a shallow level. I mean, anybody in the office, anybody in the office has a birthday, and you're going to get a cupcake. Talking about, I'll start my diet on Tuesday, right? You don't even know that. You don't even know Bob, but I'm eating a cupcake, right? I'll, I'll get back on it. I'll start my diet again on Tuesday. And so you don't have a real commitment because of that area of your life is shallow. It's not that you're a shallow person. It's just in that one area, you're living life at a shallow level. And so what happens, it has no root and that seed gets scorched. There's no root. This is what happens. The first time that your little toe gets stumped, now you, you can't go back and, and do your walking anymore. You can't all of a sudden, you're on the disabled list for 17 weeks. You're out. I don't know what happened. What happened? You weren't rooted. Your commit was never really real. It was shallow. I'm just using fitness as an example because we can all relate to that. We've all been through what I just talked about. But could it be that it's just as easy to talk about uncommitted church members? Commitment to the local church is something, I'm telling you, that is so under attack in the generation and the day that we are living in. And I know that it makes us a little uncomfortable to think about it, but you know that, guys, I love you enough to hold you accountable to the truth. Amen? Amen. 
People today don't come to church because little Johnny might have a fever, maybe. He really wasn't that hot, but he was sweating a little bit, Pastor, so we, we didn't come to church on Sunday. I, it blows my mind that people ask their teenagers if we're going to go, are we going to go to, do y'all want to go to church today? When, when did we get to a place like this where our children are occupying the corner offices of our homes, right? What do you, Johnny, do you feel like going to church today? Well, Johnny didn't feel like going to church today, pastor, so I'm sorry. And that turns into one week to two weeks to three weeks to four weeks and seven weeks later. We haven't seen you in forever. Why? It's because your commitment in that level, you're living your life in that level at a shallow level. What are you doing asking your kids if they want to go to church or not? I, I can tell you that it, it has gotten to a place where, like, church leadership, we can't plan something on a Saturday. Because if we plan something on a Saturday, people are going to be tired on Sunday, and they don't, their commitment is at a shallow level, and so they won't come to church on a Sunday. What happens? Does it mean you're not saved anymore? Mm -mm. Does it mean that God doesn't love you anymore? Nope. Has everything to do with your fruitfulness and your ability to overcome and your ability to grow and your effectiveness on having being able to expand the kingdom of God for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I remember a couple years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and we, we had just kind of reconnected and he said, uh, Kevin, I, I'm, my marriage is on the rocks, man. Just to be honest with you, a lot of people think that we're happy, but we're borderline divorce. And I was like, okay. He goes, do you have any, just can you help me? I know you do marriage counseling and stuff like that. And so I gave him some good seed. I did. I, I planted some good seeds. I, we talked about, um, you know, just really focusing on his commitment, his personal commitment to God. And not focusing on his wife, uh, I gave him a couple uh, reasons to, or a couple different ways to love his wife. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I, I told him, here's the best advice that I can give you. And this was given to me years and years ago when I was, my marriage was struggling. I said, find a local church and get plugged into that church and be wholeheartedly committed. He goes, man, that's crazy that you, you, you say that. We, we used, in the best part of our marriage, years ago, he said, we were in this church, man, and everything was going great. And he said, but then my son got old enough to play soccer. And he said, so he's playing soccer, and turns out he's pretty good. And he said, what happened is he made a travel team. And now, he goes, every weekend, we're going to a different soccer, soccer term over here, soccer term over that. So we just don't even go to church anymore. And, and I said, dude, I'm not telling you how to run your life. You asked for me for advice, but it is vital for your marriage that you get plugged in to a church. And so, you know what? I didn't, I didn't hold him to the fire or, 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 or try to manipulate him in any way. He hung up the phone and he took my advice. And and they, they went and they, they took little Johnny, his little son, and they didn't take him out of soccer. They just took him off the travel team. And, and, and when I talked to him later, their marriage was, is 
completely strong now, really restored. They got plugged into their church and, and they stopped living that at a shallow level and it completely affected their marriage. But, but he, we started talking about it years later and he goes, and you know what? The fact is, man, little Johnny, he's never going to be pro in soccer anyway. We were really just being distracted. And it, was it a bad thing? No. And, and, and here's, here's the thing, guys, is I can remember in our conversation, he started to say, you know, I didn't realize that I was teaching my son, little Johnny, that soccer was more important than my marriage. I was teaching my son that soccer was more important than our commitment to God. He said, my priorities were all out of whack, Kevin. And he said, when I started to put my priorities back where they were supposed to be, I started putting my commitment to God. And, and listen, can you have a commitment to God without going to church? You answer that. For me, it's connected to that. It would be, it would be like, you know, Pastor Jared talking to me and, and, and saying, man, you know what? Uh, I just, uh, I, I love I love my wife, Shelly, and, and, and she's awesome, and we've been married now, and er, everything's great. Uh, I, I love, I, I just wish I could just have her head, though. I don't want her body, you know? I just, I just wish I could have a relationship with her head, because I, I don't, that sounds ludicrous, right? And we know that Christ is head, and the church is his body, right? And so I don't know how you can, you can separate the commitment. Maybe you can. But for me, it's all connected. It's all intertwined. If I'm going to have a commitment, and if I'm going to show my kids that a commitment to Christ is first and foremost, how many know that i got to put my faithfulness in church attendance, and not only that, but in being a faithful member of the church, and, and sowing in my time, and sowing in my treasure, and sowing of my talents, faithfully. Yeah. And people, years later, wonder why now... Johnny's 28 years old and they never put God first and they never did these things and now he's been through two marriages. He's not faithful at his job. He's going from job to job to job and they're wondering, what happened? What happened, man? We thought we were doing good when we were running around and we're going to every soccer tournament. It's because you didn't teach him the basics that God is first. I'll say amen. Talking about living life at a shallow level. Guys, we have to allow our roots to go deep. It's why the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves. Amen? Those who are planted in the house of God. It's just the Bible. So the third one is choked. Everybody say choked. Matthew chapter 13, verse 7. It got really quiet in here. Other seed fell along the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And then in verse 22, he explains, he says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life. Everybody say the worries of this life. That's what's choking you. He doesn't say the responsibilities of life. It's not the responsibility of your job. It's not the responsibility that you have to provide. To be a spouse. It's the worries. It's your stinking thinking. 
See, if I was the enemy, I would play this card all day long over and over because you really don't even have to send out demons. You don't have to really work that much. All you have to do is plant a lie. Uh, let, me, let me put it this way. I remember years ago, I, Lisa and I, we ran into this lady at the mall. And we hadn't seen this lady for a while. And uh, we started talking to her, and, and, and she just did not look like she had been doing good. And we went to church with her, but we just hadn't seen her at, at church in a while. And so we were like, hey, are, are, you know, you look troubled. What's going on? And she said, oh, I just, I haven't really told anybody this. But um, she said, I was taking a shower the other night, and uh, she said, I found a lump in my breast. And she said, I'm just freaking out about this. Because my best friend in high school, her mom died of breast cancer. And I remember going through that whole thing with her, and it was awful. And I can't believe this is how my life's going to end. And I go, whoa, 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 have you been to the doctor? She goes, yeah, I've been to the doctor, and they ran some tests, but I haven't got the results back. And I go, oh, okay. Well, listen, we grabbed her hand right there, and we said, listen, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to lift you up, and we're just going to, this, this is not going to be cancer. We're just speaking it in the name of Jesus. This is not cancer, Right? And then she's like, thank you, thank you. And we go, hey, man, why don't you come to church on Sunday? We'll have the whole church pray for you, man. We'll build you up. She's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Well, she didn't, she didn't show up to church. And I called her, and, and, and now she felt, she was like coughing. She was like, oh, I just, I just can't believe it's going to end this way. And it was just going downhill really fast. Well, a week after that, I got a call from her. Oh, praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Oh, God is so good. I was like, well, what happened? I got the results back. And it was never cancer. I never had cancer. What happened? The worries of this world. She never had cancer, but she thought she did. And all of a sudden, she was producing all of this anxiety and God's trying to plant seeds into her lives, but every seed is getting... There's no oxygen getting into that seed. There's no water. In fact, the enemy planted a different seed, and we water it with our worry. Years ago, my wife went on a, a uh, in the, the summer, she was doing continuing education. She went to a conference with a bunch of teachers in San Antonio. And, uh, like, she hadn't really, we hadn't been away from each other for this long like this with her going on a trip. Me, a lot of times, but her. And so I was just kind of worried. And I was like, you know, as soon as you get there, uh, and, and back then I was really, 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 really a control freak. I'm a recovering control freak right now. So I said, as soon as you get there, call me, text me. She's like, okay. I knew exactly how much time it would take for her and those, those uh, teachers in that van to get to San Antonio, Right? And so the time for her to get there and call me goes by. She hasn't called me. And, uh, and what's the Bible say? The, he said, what chokes the worries, the worries of this life? So I started thinking, well, you know, Lisa's very responsible, okay? I'm the one that I, I, I sometimes forget to do something like that, to return a call or something. She doesn't. So I'm starting to worry. And, and, and I'm thinking, okay, so I, I text her. And I said, hey, babe, and I'm just wondering about you. How, how's it going? Hope you're, hope you're doing good. And, and just let me know that you're okay. 30 minutes pass, nothing. 
Now I'm starting to think, I'm seeing in my mind this uh, turned over van, you know, and, and uh, my wife is laying in a ditch, you know, and she's bleeding and nobody can get to her. And, and so I'm calling her. I'm like, hey, you really got to call me. I'm starting to get worried, you know, what, what's going on, you know? And then an hour passes after that, still nothing. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, I, I, was, I was looking up. To, I was starting to call emergency rooms, you know? And then I, another thing that came into my mind is uh, they've been, I remember this actually came into my mind. She's been taken hostage. You know, somebody, I'm going to get a phone call and it's going to be a ransom note and, you know, uh, you know, too much movies, you know. And I was about to call the emergency rooms. I was freaking out. And all of a sudden I get a phone call and it's Lisa. And I'm like, oh my gosh, babe, are you okay? What's going on? I'm so mad at you. Why have you called me? Are you okay? And she goes, oh, hey, we, we went ahead and we were going to go to the hotel first, but we decided to go to the conference instead to just to ch- do our check-in. And while we were there, we ended up signing up for this one thing that they were going to learn some more stuff. And the entire auditorium that they were in was in a metal building. And she had no cell service. And so the whole time I'm sitting there with nothing has happened. She's not been taken, you know, hostage. She's not laying in a gutter somewhere. And all the seeds in my life were being choked. Why? The responsibilities that I had, the things that were really happening. You know, my son is diagnosed with a terminal disease called cystic fibrosis. And with that came a lot of worries. And a couple years ago, the Lord had me sit down and write down everything that I was worried that would happen with my son. And I went through and I marked off all the ones that have not happened. 95% of the things that I was worried about have never happened. The worries of this world. And last, sabotaged. Please hear what I'm about to say as I'm closing. Guys, you have a destiny. Each one of us do. You are created and you're placed on this earth with a purpose. And there are things that you're supposed to do on this earth. All of us. We're supposed to do this for God's kingdom. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. I'll put it up on the, the Sky Bible for you. It says this, that you have been born again, not of a corruptible seed. Everybody say seed. See, you didn't even realize it, but we are a seed. Not an incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The scripture says that we are the seed of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the seed of God. That's powerful. You are God's seed. In Matthew 13, it says you also have an enemy. And what he does is he comes in and he likes to catch us sleep, and he likes to plant seeds among the wheat. And it's a sabotage. I'm talking about distractions in the midst of your de- destiny. It, it, it says, while they were sleeping, the enemy came and he sowed seeds among the wheat. Please hear this. The enemy can't take away your destiny. He can only plant something next to it to keep you from recognizing it. And so you become distracted on something that's not your destiny. Something that looks good, but it's not where you're supposed to be. It's the weeds among the wheat. This is why there's so many distractions in the world that we live in today. It's because the enemy sees our destiny. 
And he says, I have an idea. If I can just get them distracted before the harvest ever gets here, then I can destroy everything. You see, God is always scattering, planning, blessing, but there is an enemy that comes with the distractions, and he distracts us with greed, and he distracts us with lust and offenses. Offenses is a big one. He plants a seed of offense, and then we water it with unforgiveness, and you don't understand what they did to me. And before you know it, you are so distracted with that weed that's in your life that the true seed that God wants to burst forth in your life never has a chance. It gets sabotaged. And please notice that the scripture says his enemy came and sowed the weeds among the wheat. Do you see that we're quick to recognize that it's the enemy that, that did this. It, it was the work of the enemy. This is what they said. And we have an enemy today, and I'm trying to show you that he is the master of distractions, that he wants you to get your eyes off of everything that truly matters. He wants to plant a seed in your marriage, and he wants to take root. He can't get you to leave your spouse, but he gets you to start wondering what it would be like if you did. And then you start thinking, man, that, I think that would be better. I think that would be much, much much better for me. I think it would be so much easier if I could just start in and all of a sudden you start watering it and watering it and watering that weed and all of a sudden the true seed that was supposed to birth forth is sabotage. You wake up in the morning and God has a plan to bless you and the enemy says, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll put a lot of traffic on 1960. Every day he does that. <laughs> you know what I think I'll do? I'll think I'll have that person that they're offended with at work. Give them that little look. That little look. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have their spouse distracted so they don't give them that word of encouragement about the weight that they just lost. And so all of a sudden now, he's going to be distracted or she's going to be distracted. And because she's distracted and she's feeding that weed or he's feeding that weed, all of a sudden it starts to, you start to, how do you, how do you go ahead and medicate that? You start to eat. And now you not only gained back what you lost, now, now, now you're depressed because you went back into, and it just goes and it goes and it goes. The enemy says, all I have to do is plant one little seed and step back and watch you water it. It's a sabotage. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come up here with me, and I'm going to ask everybody to stand this morning. Guys, this is what we've got to wake up to. I, I, I hear in my heart, The Lord, the Lord saying, saying this to us this morning, that, you know, this year is not over. And many of us will, will get a, a sense that we start to take this year, the rest of the year off. Just even spiritually, we, you know, like, man, we, we become lax and we become late. I hear the Lord saying, finish well. Right? I mean, if we had a race today, who could, who could you know, run one lap around the track? What's that, a 400? If you ran 300 well and you quit right there, you didn't finish the race, right? And you would look at that person and you would be like, man, what were they doing? Didn't they know they were supposed to run a 400? And many of us Christians, we do that at the end of this year. In our marriages, 
in our relationship with our kids, in our, in our, our commitments, our, our faithfulness to church, our faithfulness to, to sowing and tithes and offerings. And what happens is it's the very message that we just heard today. We become distracted. Right? He just plants that one little seed inside of us and says, man, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Listen, I'm telling you, I want to end 2017 well so I can step right into 2018 and believe in it's going to be the biggest, best year of my life that I've ever seen. And so I just, I just want everybody this morning just to close your eyes and bow your heads. I, I never want to be legalistic but there's a fine line of holding people accountable at the same time so many times we swing as leaders way over here legalism don't do this everybody you have to this is we're holding the old people accountable all the time and, and then we manipulate people and then sometimes we we as leaders we swing way over here to it's just grace man and God loves everybody and and you know but it's not either or, it's both and. There's, there's a place in the middle, guys. And, and this morning, I came to hold you accountable to truth. And the truth is, is that if you be honest, just the reason I ask you to close your eyes is so you can focus. If you be honest, You've been distracted. The enemy has come in and he is he's choked the seed. He sabotaged the seed. Here's the thing, church. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means you're normal. We all struggle with these things. But I hear, I hear the spirit of truth calling us out. Calling us to be focused. So right now, just, just ask the Holy Spirit. What have I been distracted with? Just wherever you're at, even if you're watching on the the podcast right now, just ask the spirit of truth. Reveal to me where I've been distracted. Reveal to me where my priorities are out of whack. Now by an act of your will, could you just pray? Just in your heart or out loud? And and, and just start to say, God, show me. Show me how to how to focus. Make a commitment this morning. 
God, I, I, I've been distracted, but Lord, I am. I am going to be focused. I am going to put, I am going to start to Put priority where it's supposed to be. You're first, God. You're first. If I put you first, everything just starts to come together. It's so awesome right now because God's just, he's speaking to each and every one of you. Lord, I thank you for speaking to our hearts today. I thank you for holding us accountable. You're a good, good father. And you love us too much to leave us where we're at. And so I, I thank you that you, you're, you're out in front of us and you're leading us. Lead us where you want us to go, Father so awesome. The, the answer is in us. <laughs> the spirit of truth is in us. So Father, as we start to walk this thing out, Lord, I just, I just pray for focus. Like Jesus did. Focus. He was so focused. Even though distractions were trying to pull him apart, continually had a relationship with you. He continually made a connection. And like that, that's what we're going to do. We've started it this morning. And we're going to continue it. We're going to continue it, Lord. Lead us. Guide us. I'm so excited about the opportunities that we are going to take this year. I'm so excited about the seed that we're going to see come into a harvest this this season now no more distractions lord and i thank you for this lord i praise your name i can't wait to hear about the marriages the relationships with our kids the promotions at work we're going to finish this year well and we declare this this morning in the mighty name of jesus